Welcome to The Sleep Sessions. I'm your host, Dara Whitaker. This podcast is a place for women to share their successes and challenges of adapting to life and sleep after a new baby. Whether you're expecting your first or a mother of five, you can listen in weekly to learn, feel supported, and celebrate each other's unique experiences. I'm so excited that I'm finally able to share about my postpartum thrive guide with you. I created this workbook to allow families to understand all of their options, explore, and make important decisions before bringing a new baby home in hopes of making the fourth trimester a little bit easier for everyone. If you want to learn more or want to purchase the guide, you can do so on my website. It's thesleepsessions.co. The guide makes a great gift for a baby shower or expecting friends or family, and it's also a great way to support the show if you enjoy listening. Today, I'm speaking with Colleen about her positive C-section experience, being diagnosed with postpartum preeclampsia, returning to work eight weeks after having her baby, and choosing not to sleep train. Hi, Colleen. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Can you start by introducing yourself and telling me about your family? Sure. Hi, Dara. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, our family consists of myself, my husband, Patrick, our soon-to-be one-year-old, Rory, our son, Rory, our dog, Scout, and our horse, Mac, who, unfortunately, he doesn't live with us because we're in the suburbs of Chicago, but he's still a family member. That's awesome to bring Rory up around so many animals. Yeah, I'm an animal lover, and my husband is too, and so uh, we want to make sure that animals are always a part of his life. Yeah, that's great. Is there anything listeners should know about your birth story? Sure. You know, my birth story, I feel, um, was very similar to how it is for many mothers, where you had an idea of what you wanted, and then things, of course, didn't go as you planned. And so my husband and I had originally planned uh, for an unmedicated hospital birth. I have scoliosis and was kind of nervous about getting an epidural, and I'd even heard stories about Epidural is not even working well for women that have scoliosis. I'm also not a person that does well on painkillers. And so I just felt like it was my best interest to try my best to go without medications. And so that was what we had planned for. And I was very fortunate to really have an easy pregnancy. I stayed, I was able to stay active. Um, I felt great. And then all of a sudden, at 37 weeks, Rory flipped to the breech position. And my OB and my chiropractor were just completely dumbfounded. Uh, I guess it's kind of unheard of for babies to flip at that point. Because uh, by that time, everything could should kind of be how it is. And, you know, they kind of say, once you reach that point in your pregnancy, the baby can come, oh, anytime now. Right. Um, and. So because he had flipped, my doctor scheduled a C-section for when I was going to be 39 and a half weeks pregnant. And I spent those two weeks leading up to my C-section doing everything I could to flip my baby. I was watching these videos online called Spinning Babies. Mm -hmm. um, and I did all sorts of yoga moves. And I was doing inversions every day. And I actually successfully flipped him several times. But every time I would lay down to go to bed at night, I would wake up in the morning and I could feel that he had flipped himself back around. It was really frustrating and upsetting, but I just kind of reached a point where I felt like this was happening for a reason and I had to just let things be. And I also felt very fortunate that my husband and I had had time to mourn our previous birth plan 
And I was able to mentally prepare myself for a C-section, which I know so many women don't get the opportunity to do so, you know, when it's an emergency situation. And so I felt very grateful for that. And honestly, overall, my C-section, C-section experience was a very positive one. It really changed my view on C-sections. And I have a whole new level of respect for any woman that has to have one. Um, it, it was really special because our doctor had a planned playlist that he played in the background throughout the whole operation, and he timed it out perfectly so that he was born during Somewhere Over the Rainbow, oh. which I know it was so special. And now every time I hear that song, I'm just like a, a wreck, you know, an, an emotional mess. And uh, what else made the C-section really special is we did not know the gender. And so I feel like that kind of helped still have like an element of excitement and surprise to the whole day. And it was so fun because the doctor held up Rory and my husband was able to announce to everyone that he was a boy. And honestly, it was a really nice experience. Um, And then unfortunately, when I was in the recovery room, you know, here I am trying to breastfeed and, and bond with Rory. And all of a sudden my blood pressure skyrocketed. Um, I felt fine and didn't really know what was going on. I was very out of it, but the doctors and nurses kept asking, are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? Do you have a headache? And I remember thinking like, what is everyone asking me this for? Like, I'm fine. Everyone leave me alone. I want to be with my baby. And it turns out I had developed preeclampsia after I delivered. Wow. I know. Another rare thing. I'm so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) And so unfortunately that cut into um, like my bonding time with Rory immediately after I was supposed to be able to have like two hours of skin to skin and you know, like what everyone, every mom wants that golden hour after they've delivered. And so they had to take Rory from me and move me to a dark room and I was heavily sedated and pretty much told to just lay very still and relax and stay in the dark and that's where they kept me for two days and I, I honestly don't even remember those first two days but somehow through it all I was breastfeeding and Rory was thriving and he actually ended up gaining uh, more than his birth weight back when we were in the hospital wow yeah. What was the reason that you were told to be in a dark room? You know, I think it had something to do with uh, you're prone to seizures when you have preeclampsia. And so they don't want you to be under like bright or flashing lights. Um, and it's all about just keeping everything very calm and quiet. I guess they're trying to help create like a very relaxing atmosphere to try to naturally bring down your blood pressure. Um, but mine just would not go down. I was in the hospital for four days and they ultimately had to put me on blood pressure medication in order to bring it down. Wow. Yeah. And I don't have a history of high blood pressure or anything. It honestly was so bizarre. That is strange. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear that you had a positive C-section experience. I'm sure a lot of women you know, go through the same thing where they're told prior to giving birth that they are going to need a C-section, even though it's something that they weren't necessarily planning on. Is there any advice that you would give to them that, you know, really helped you mourn that process? You know, I think um, part of it was really just trusting that this was going to be the safest thing for me and my baby. Um, I do know that there are women who have successfully uh, given birth vaginally to breech babies. It can be done. Absolutely. Um, 
but for some reason like I guess in my heart I just felt like this was what was supposed to happen um and I think too hospital staff nowadays they really try to make a c-section a special experience they asked me if I had any special requests or um I don't know. They really still try to to go with your birth plan if possible. And, you know, honestly, I, I truly believe that C-sections have a very negative reputation. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm personally kind of glad that I experienced it. Like I said, it gave me a whole different outlook. Um, and I don't know. I think it's just important for women to be a little bit more open-minded about them, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, what helped me, too, was... Um, looking back on it, like my husband and I truly believed that Rory was almost like my little guardian angel and flipped breach and felt like he knew that I needed to be at the right place at the right time. And so I, I feel like we also kind of felt like we had some divine intervention that helped us also, um, I don't know, deal with, with everything in the end. Yeah. Not to sound like super out there, but (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But it's true. Yeah. That's the way that we felt about it. He, he knew that that's where I needed to be. Yeah. Well, how was it after you were able to finally come home with Rory after being in the hospital for four days? Well, you know, like it is for anyone. um, It was an emotional roller coaster when I first got home. And honestly, the C-section recovery was was pretty intense uh you know I don't have anything else to compare it to you know I've never experienced a vaginal birth but it was intense uh I was very fortunate though that my husband was home with me those first two weeks I don't know what I would have done without him he was there like waiting on me hand and foot he was absolutely amazing cooking for me oh I was so so lucky um yeah so lucky and, you know, honestly, the first couple of weeks were really pretty standard, just breastfeeding, trying to rest and recover and, you know, Rory doing lots of napping. And then after my husband went to work, Rory kind of slowly became more and more fussy. And I feel like at the time I was in such a fog because I was still, you know, not sleeping and recovering from the C-section and everything I, I didn't really realize it was getting so bad and it was reaching the point where I could never even put him down. And all I did was breastfeed like all day long. I could barely even brush my teeth or shower or feed myself. And it was really starting to take a toll on me emotionally. And I was starting to feel resentful towards breastfeeding, which was awful because I felt so fortunate to be able to breastfeed him and things had gone so well in the beginning. Um, and so it was really difficult to now almost feeling resentful towards uh the idea that I was just attached to him all the time I had to be feeding him and then when we went to his one month appointment the doctor told me that he had developed breastfeeding jaundice and she told me to start supplementing with formula and fortunately that took care of his jaundice within a few days um and looking back on it now I realize after Patrick went back to work I no longer had someone, you know, cooking for me and feeding me all the time. And I probably just was not eating nearly enough. And my supply, I'm sure, just dropped big time. And that was why Rory became so fussy because he was just hungry, you know. And so, like, so then, of course, it felt awful about that because every mom is so good at feeling really guilty all the time. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it was this, this inner struggle of, I was so relieved to finally have a happier baby and to no longer be breastfeeding 24 seven. But then I felt so guilty that I had to start supplementing. And I'll never forget when I went and bought that first container of formula and I was rigging the ingredients and in big, bold letters, it said, breast milk is best for babies. And I just started bawling. And I was just thinking, why do they put that on formula containers? I didn't even know that. Yeah. And maybe it was just the brand that I bought. That's what it says on there. But I felt like that was just cruel, you know? Um, Yeah. Because I think a lot of women, if they end up supplementing um, or switching to formula because of supply issues, there's a lot of um, guilt associated with it. And so that just made me feel awful. (laughs) But you know, realistically, over time, I started seeing how it was so nice that my husband could start feeding him. It made it so much easier for, um, you know, like, grandparents to start watching him for us so we could occasionally go out. And now I'm like, totally sold on uh, supplementing and, you know, doing a little bit of both. And I feel like, you know, when we have babies in the future, um, obviously, Breastfeeding journeys can be completely night and day between different babies. But if I end up supplementing again, I'm going to be totally okay with it. Hopefully, you know, it's easy for me to say now, but I'd like to think that with this experience that I have, I'll realize this is ultimately going to be the best thing for, for both of us. Right. I went through a similar experience. I didn't really have too much success with breastfeeding, but I really wanted to. But it just didn't end up working out for us. And out of desperation, one day I just gave my daughter formula. And you realize like there's so much pressure that you put on yourself not to give the baby formula. And then once you actually do it, it's it's not so bad. Exactly. It's almost like ripping off a Band-Aid. Like you're so upset in the anticipation. And then once you actually uh, get like get over that initial hump, you realize like, oh, this is great. My baby is fed and my baby is happy. And therefore I am happy, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Where was, where was Roy sleeping at this time? Uh, so he was in a bassinet next to my side of the bed. Yeah. Okay. And did he stay? Is he still there? No, uh, we left him there until around four months. My initial plan was to try to keep him in our room in the bassinet. I don't know why I came up with this idea of the first six months, Uh, but he's a, he's a really tall baby long and he just outgrew the bassinet by that time. He was way too long for it. And so we started doing some naps during the day in the crib. And honestly, within, I think he did naps in the crib like two days and did just fine. So we just transitioned him to sleeping in the crib at night and uh, it went just fine. I think I was more nervous about it than he was for sure. (laughs) It's a hard thing that first, those first couple of nights, just not having them next to you. You kind of, I don't know. Did you have a video monitor? No. Do you know what? We got the old fashioned one where it's just the sound. Uh, Good. I was concerned (laughs) I was going to be too obsessive with watching him and staring at him. And um, I, I kind of really I feel like because we only had the sound monitor, it forced us to actually learn what his different cries meant, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And so I, I'm really glad that we went with that route, ultimately. 
I was going to say that when Winnie went into her room for the first night, I, I think I stayed up the whole time just looking at her on the Oh, monitor. yeah. I would have done the exact <laughs> same thing. So your husband went back to work shortly after your son was born. At what point did you go back to work? Um, I went back after eight weeks. And initially, my I worked for my family's business. And um, my dad had originally told me, oh, you know, take all the time that you need. Um And so it was funny, though, after a few weeks, I was starting to get phone calls from my dad and my brother like, so when do you think you might want to come back? I could tell that they were getting kind of antsy without me. And so I I went back after eight weeks and looking back on it now, I don't even know how women go back after like six weeks or anything less than 12 weeks, really. Oh my gosh, I was so sleep deprived and making so many mistakes at work. And I look back at like some pictures I had taken of myself at work when I had first gone back and I just see it in my face. I was so tired, you know, oh my gosh. And it's like, what was the point of me being back? I made so many mistakes and did so many silly things. It's like, you're not a, a, a good employee at that point, but I did it, you know, and, um, it was difficult. I remember once we hit the 12 week point, I really felt like I was starting to figure out this whole mom thing. You know, like I felt like Rory was kind of starting to fall into his schedule. We had gotten into a really solid bedtime routine and he was starting to sleep longer stretches. And I felt I was starting to feel like more human, if that makes sense. You know, like <laughs> sleep you know, can do I, that. I, was, I just remember <laughs> reaching that point and being like, okay, I think I can do this thing. Like, this is good. Um, and so, yeah, I, I feel for uh, other women having to go back to work even sooner than the eight weeks. Our country really has um, a very warped sense of what's proper maternity leave or, or even paternity leave. You know, my husband had to use his vacation time to be home with me yeah and so fortunately um you know we weren't planning on going anywhere anyway because we were going to be having a baby but yeah it's just unfortunate that things aren't better for for people so you said that you started doing a nighttime routine was there something special like a special schedule that you were following or was it just something that you guys kind of made up on your own so I have um a very go with the flow kind of personality and honestly I feel like I've made up everything (laughs) like pretty much um since Rory's been born I probably should have done a little bit more research on certain things I just kind of figured out remembered like when I was little okay like we would do you know a bath and then people read their kids' stories before bed, right? So I was like, okay, you know, I'll, <laughs> we'll just start this whole bath story routine, you know, before bed. And um, in the beginning, he hated baths. And actually, I would almost cry when we would give him the bath. He would just scream like we were, oh, killing him or something. It was, I would get so emotional and my husband would have to do it. I couldn't even do it. <laughs> But That's now he so loves them. Funny. So I'm not sure what that what that was about in the beginning. And so luckily he got over the whole bath issue pretty quickly. And um yeah, we just what did you do to make him more comfortable? Do you know what? I honestly I don't know. I think maybe he just got used to it. Yeah, nothing okay. really changed. We were just you know, he was little enough at that point we were still doing the baths in the sink with um have you ever seen those little flower petal 
bath mats. Yeah, we yeah. would give him his, his bath and his little sunflower, and he would look so cute in there. Yeah, and, it, and all of a sudden, he just kind of turned a corner where, I, I, you know, he realized, like, oh, this is actually kind of, this water feels good. This is warm, and I can splash a little bit. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Well, that's good that he adapted. Yeah, and I think, too, that because we, from the get-go, set up some sort of nighttime routine, he's honestly always been a decent nighttime sleeper. Like, his nighttime stretches, I felt, developed very normally. He was always hitting his milestones where I felt like he was doing long enough stretches for his age. And um, because of that, like, we just never really felt pressured to do any sort of like intense sleep training um and I feel Mm. like we just honestly got really pretty lucky because I know some people have babies who even when they're still you know a few months old are still waking up sometimes like every couple hours to eat and things like that and so we kind of got lucky (laughs) that's good how is he doing now now he sleeps through the night like he goes to bed at around seven and then gets up pretty much like between six and six thirty the next morning. Cause then I have to get, get us both ready for our day. I have to go to work and get him ready to go to grandma and grandpa's, but he honestly sleeps pretty consistently through the night. Of course, there's always, um, you know, the wonderful sleep regressions and bumps in the road like that. But, you know, after he gets over that, he, he gets back on track really easily. My daughter also slept through the night pretty consistently from an early age. And, but we still always face those regressions during a developmental milestone. Like when she started to roll or when she started to pull herself up to stand in the crib, there's just always these like setbacks. But I think if you stay consistent to what you had been doing that worked, you get through it pretty quickly. Exactly. And, you know, I think there's so much pressure on parents to have a baby that's sleeping through the night. Um, You know, we put so much pressure on ourselves, but realistically, you know, they're just, they're babies. And I, I know I've heard other moms say it perfectly where they're they're not a robot exactly I know I'm wondering what my second baby will be like (laughs) hopefully well hopefully it's a theme in your family yeah especially since they're so close in age I'm gonna need a lot of sleep exactly (laughs) good well how did having a baby impact the relationships in your life with your husband or your friends or family you know honestly I didn't know it was possible but I feel like My husband and I became so much closer after we had Rory. We always referred to ourselves as a team. And so then when we, uh, you know, got pregnant, we referred to it as we were adding another team member. Uh, Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Thanks. And so, like, like, we were just so excited to, like I said, be adding another member to our team. And I had mentioned, too, about how he was so supportive during the C-section recovery Um, and so I, I feel like very fortunate that, um, it just made us stronger as a couple. And we also joke now that we should warn newly engaged couples, uh, to make sure that whoever you're marrying is someone that you would be willing to let milk you. Because when, when I was (laughs) in recovery from the C-section, uh, 
I was, you know, really out of it and having trouble getting breastfeeding going. And before they separated Rory and I to put me in the dark room, they told my husband really quick to express some colostrum onto a spoon and spoon feed it to Rory. And like, no questions asked, Pat just jumped into action and like milked me into a spoon essentially. And so I feel like that was a real bonding moment. Now we laugh about it a lot but I feel like do you know what if you marry a man who's willing to do that no questions asked then you know it's the right person <laughs> that's smart that's a yes, good test exactly <laughs> and um my, my in-laws uh watch Rory three days a week uh when I go to work and I feel like it's helped me kind of become even closer with them and I so admire their parenting style and love watching them bond with Rory and he's so lucky to be able to spend so much time with his grandparents. So I feel so appreciative that it just made me closer with them. And I also now have a whole new appreciation for my own mom. She was a stay-at-home mom for my brother and I. And I was never one of those people who thought that being a stay-at-home mom was easy by any means. But I feel like I did not know how hard it was until I had my own baby. And um, I so admire her like that is the hardest job ever and so I'm glad that now I understand so much of so much more you know like all those things uh you don't understand why your parents wouldn't let you do this or that when you were little and now I just look back and I'm like wow mom you are a superhero you did so many things for us are there any tips or any resources that you wanted to share that really helped you you know I think One of the most important things for new parents or really any parent is to make an effort to find time for yourself. Um, I feel so fortunate that I already had my horse as a source of my relaxation and my nature therapy and, you know, something for me to go do after work that was my de-stressing time. And so because I already had that in my life, I think it kind of helped with my transition into motherhood. They already... I already have something where a couple days a week I get to go and have my me time and then I can come back home and like be an even better mom and wife. And for my husband, you know, he loves golf and I always encourage him to go play any chance he can get. And, you know, we believe that we need to help each other take care of ourselves because you you can't pour from an empty cup. You know, like you have to take care of yourself if you're going to take care of others. And as far as uh, resources go, uh, you know, when Rory was first born, we fought him to swaddle him so much. And I kept reading, you know, on the Internet um, about how, oh, some babies hate it, but, you know, just stick with it. They'll learn to like being swaddled. And Rory was not one of those babies at all. And so I had a friend who gave me the love to dream swaddle, which is, it's like a sleep sack swaddle where their arms can be up. And once I started using that, that was when he started sleeping so much better at night. And I think the first night I used that, he had like a five hour stretch, which was the longest he had slept in a long time. And so uh, if you're a mom who's struggling with swaddling your newborn, you know, maybe it's just not for your baby. So that's my other suggestion, because that was just like a a major lifesaver for us. And then as far as uh, C-section recovery goes, I had done myan abdominal massage before I got pregnant, because I had dealt with some ovarian cysts and fibroids. And I feel like because I have been doing that ever since 
the C-section. It's really helped with my recovery, getting my core back. It helps break up scar tissue and I've regained all the feeling along my incision site, which I hear is a real issue for a lot of women. And so I highly recommend any woman, uh, whether or not you had a C-section to look into that, but especially if you've had one. What was that? It's called called Mayan Abdominal Massage. And it was such a huge, huge game changer for me. Thanks so much for listening in. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at at the sleep sessions.